0: Well, every defining moment of my life began at a wall, at a place where I faced obstacles and challenges and difficulties that that I had to learn to deal with, and, and these became defining moments in my life because I was forced at the wall, at the place where life no longer was easy, at the at the place where I could no longer figure things out on my own, I was forced to grow, I was forced to learn and to adjust the way I lived. And and though undesirable, though I wasn't looking for them, and though extremely difficult, these walls ultimately made me better with this caveat, if I responded properly at the wall. And the reality is that this is how life is for all of us. Defining moments, those moments that define us for good and for bad, defining moments always happen at the wall. And Most of you probably know this Monday is Martin Luther King Jr. Day and, and the reason we celebrate him is because of the tremendous significant impact he's made on our nation. His dream and then the way he led people in attempting to achieve that dream became a defining moment in our nation. And it all started for him at the wall, at the wall of racism, the wall of hatred and intolerance, the wall of injustice and violence. And what so many people don't know or have forgotten is that the vast majority of people experiencing that wall in this nation's history responded in negative ways. There were the racists who were fueled by their bigotry and They were reacting in violence to any little progress in race equity. They even lowered themselves to violent attacks on young black children for going to or wanting to go to their all-white schools. I mean, let's be honest, that was criminal. This is a wall that Martin Luther King was facing. There was also a rising swell of black power advocates embracing violence to fix the problems. They decided that they would go to all-out war as the means to secure their right for freedom, and riots became the norm. All-out war was going on in this nation, and there was a ton of destruction and devastation and even death left in its wake, and it was a common reality of the day. I mean, we have to admit, that wasn't productive. But anyone who's a human being with an ounce of empathy and honesty would say, you can understand it. To be stomped down and to be abused in such a way because of color, you can see how anger would start owning people, but not Martin Luther King. There were also many African Americans at the time who had just given up I mean, they had always faced the wall of intolerance and justice, and and there was no standing up to it. And when you did, you just got more intolerance and injustice. And so they believed that the wall of racism in this nation could never be torn down. It was too big. The wall stopped them. They just gave up. But Dr. King didn't respond in kind. His was a positive dream, and he was committed to accomplishing it in positive terms. By his own words, you need to know. Though he's been slammed in so many different arenas, by his own words, his nonviolent approach to, to changing this world, his standing up to those who would be violent to get freedom and those who would be violent to keep them from freedom, was inspired in great part by Jesus himself. You see, it was when he hit the wall, he said, Now there is a final reason I think that Jesus says, love your enemies. It's this, that love has within it a redemptive power. He went on to say, and there is a power there in love that eventually transforms individuals. There's something about love that builds up and is creative. There's something about hate that tears down and destroys. So, he said, love your enemies. It was at the wall, he said, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Light can do that. Hate can't drive out hate. Only love can do that. It was at the wall, he said. I believe that unarmed truth and unconditional love will have the final word in creating reality. And this is why right, temporarily defeated, is stronger than evil triumphant. This Monday, we celebrate his life. And we celebrate his life because when he hit the wall, he made a choice. He made the choice that helped to turn his dream into a reality for many. Now, we have to be honest. We have a long way to go as a country. I think recent events and times in this country have shown that race relations aren't all they should be. There are still all the different kinds of people represented today that were represented in his day. But just imagine with me for a moment where this country would be today without Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., We celebrate him because when he hit the wall, he made very different choices than most people. And it allowed him to make a significant impact. The truth is, every defining moment in our lives will happen at the wall. This is what happened in every Bible character's life. The defining moments, those moments that define them for good and for greatness or for bad and for destruction, all happened at the wall. On the good side, Joseph hit the wall of betrayal and slavery and prison and became a great man of God because of how he responded to the wall. Joshua became a great leader, finally, at the walls of Jericho. And Paul the apostle, through wall after wall, persecution, prison, the rejection and betrayal of those he loved the most, ultimately, because of his responses, had defining moments that made him a hero of the faith. And here's what we need to know. These aren't stories of other people. This is God telling us what our story is going to be like. Because the same is true for all of us. And since we're all going to face walls that will become our defining moments for good or for bad, we need to know about these walls and understand them. And what I've found over the years is most of us have no clue that the walls are coming. I mean, we just don't get it. We don't understand the walls. We don't... We don't get it that they're going to keep showing up in our lives and we're going to keep hitting them and we don't understand that God has given us all the equipment we need to respond in the right way at the walls and yet example after example in the Bible and in our lives is that we don't apply his principles, we don't expect the wall, the wall defeats us and conquers us and we never become what we're supposed to become. We've got to understand these walls and what happens to us and in us when we hit them and what we can do to get through them. Do you know what happens when we hit the wall? I mean, the natural reaction when you hit the wall, I can boil it down to one word, and the Bible affirms this as well. It's the word wrestle. When we hit the wall, we begin wrestling, struggling, and any other synonym you want to attach to that. It's what we do. God actually gave us one literal example of this in a man named Jacob. Many of you don't know that name right off the bat, especially if you're newer to the Bible and to the spiritual journey. So let me give you everything you need to know to understand Jacob. He was the son of Isaac. You got it now, right? Yeah. So he was the son of Isaac, but, and this will probably get you closer. He was the grandson of Abraham. Now Abraham's a pretty known character in and outside of the spiritual journey. He was a father of faith. He's the, the guy who was so macho that he was able to father a kid when he was 100 with a 90-year-old woman. Talk about potent, this guy, you know. (laughs) Abraham, the father of faith. And he had been promised that though it was impossible for him to have a child, humanly speaking, with Sarah, that he and Sarah, even in the impossible, even at that wall, would become the parents of a great nation, and God, as always, came through. Isaac was born, and then God gave to Isaac two sons, Esau and Jacob. God had given this man, Jacob, after Abraham and Isaac, this huge promise that he would become the father of a great nation. But as a young man, he wasn't ready. Jacob was unbelievably selfish, unbelievably conniving, unbelievably deceptive. And so God had to help him become a man worthy of his calling. Ultimately, Jacob had to run for his life after totally betraying his brother Esau. Know this, a lot of the walls that we face in life are of our own making. And this is how it was for Jacob. I mean, he betrayed his brother, he deceived his brother, he stole from his brother, and as a result, his brother said, I'm going to kill that guy, I'm going to kill him. And you need to know, if you read the text, Esau was a lot bigger, a lot stronger, and a lot better with weapons than Jacob was. And so the threat to kill was very serious. So Jacob went into hiding, and his hiding was for 20 years. He didn't want to die. It scared him to death. And so he faced then, in those 20 years of hiding, a ton of walls. But over time, he started becoming mature his character started changing and ultimately he chose at the wall instead of making the wrong choices to make the right choices and as a result of it God began blessing him according to his promise he gave him a huge family in fact he had 12 sons they became the names for the 12 tribes of Israel talk about being the father of Israel he was it in fact God changed his name from Jacob to Israel and he was given great prosperity tons of animals and livestock I mean very wealthy guy And then God told him, after 20 years of hiding and doing nothing to resolve his problem with Esau, God told him he needed to go home because it was at home where the land of promise was. He wasn't supposed to be where he was. He was supposed to be in the land that God promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That was the promised land. Here was the problem. To go home, he had to face his brother. To go home, he had to face Esau, who wanted to I don't wanna go home when my brothers want to kill me and by the way my brothers have always wanted to kill me you know I know what this is like it was scary he was afraid he didn't want to do it but he had reached the place where he had decided he was going to trust God even when trusting God seemed to be the end of his life he was just going to do it and so he did everything in his power while obeying God and going home to protect his family and to protect himself. He, he divided them up into two groups. And he said, okay, here's what I'll do. I'll kind of divide them into two groups. All my animals, all my sons, and all my, all my wives. And I'm going to send them in two kind of different directions. And so if Esau gets one, the other will be able to escape. And so what he was doing was he was trying to make sure he didn't get totally wiped out by his brother. He was doing what he could do. But remember this. He was going home. He was obeying God. He also put together a huge gift of animals for his brothers and sent them on ahead. And he was brilliant about this. I mean, a huge group of camels and a huge group of sheep and all the animals he had, huge groups. And he didn't just send them in one big circus act. He sent them one group at a time so that Esau would get the camels and go, wow, that's a pretty cool gift. And then he would get the sheep and he'd go, that's a pretty good gift. And then the next group of animals and the next group. And, and what was Jacob trying to do? Trying to assuage his brother. Okay, you finally bought me off. Now that's what some people think. Others think. He felt so guilty and ashamed that he just wanted to, to uh, uh, appease and pay back his brother. Whatever you see it, it, he was really doing everything he could to make sure that his brother didn't kill his family, didn't kill him. But he was going home. He was trusting God. He also sent a carefully crafted message to help break the ice with his brother. He had hired a couple of speechwriters, got his teleprompters, gave his speech. It was awesome. Uh, nothing like that but he really was trying to win his brother before his brother got to him but the servants he sent with all those animals and with that well crafted message came running back with this one message your brother's coming with 400 men after changing his depends he started trying to protect his family again because in his view Esau was going to kill him Esau was bringing 400 men. There could only be one purpose for that. They were an army, and there's no way his family could stand up to that army. He was done in. Esau was going to wipe him out. So he did everything he could to protect them. He, he sent them all in different directions at the night before Esau would show up with those 400 men. And, and after doing all that he could, he was left alone. And it's there that I want you to pick up the story with me. Look at Genesis 32, two verses, 24 and 28. He hit the wall. He was at the wall. And look what happened. One of the strangest events you're going to find in the Bible. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. Now that's bizarre. I mean, all this stuff's going on, and he decides I'm going to take a little bit of a break and do some summa wrestling with my buddy here. I mean, this is, this is a bizarre story. And by the way, you go, where does it say summa wrestling? It doesn't, but if you read the Bible creatively, it's more fun to read, right? Okay, so. so he's having this wrestling match out there, but this is where it gets weird. Look at verse 28. Then the man said, the man he was wrestling with, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. Who made the promise about Israel, about God's people? Who made that promise? It was God. Who has the ability to change a man's name from Jacob to Israel to fulfill the promise? There's only one God. This text is saying he was literally wrestling with God. God came in the form of man and wrestled with Jacob. And then God, after changing his name, says, Because you have struggled with God, because you've wrestled with God and with men and have overcome, I'm changing your name to Israel. But what I want you to see before we go further into that is that this is what happens at the wall. He was at the wall, trusting God, obeying God, doing everything he could. But at the wall, there was only one thing he could do, wrestle and struggle. And this is exactly what happens to us when we hit the wall. We're in these moments of the impossible where where all we can do isn't enough. Everything Jacob could do didn't keep the 400 men with Esau from coming. It was over no matter what he did. And so all he could do was struggle and wrestle. And if we're honest, this is exactly what we do at the wall. But we don't always struggle and wrestle in a good way. At least I don't. I, I find when I'm at the wall, and I'm often at the wall... I wrestle with myself. Don't you do that when you're in these situations where you're hitting the wall, where you just start wrestling with yourself? He wrestled with his fears and his inabilities and his shortcomings, disappointments, his doubts, and all that was coming down. I always wrestle with these things. We also wrestle with others. Uh, Obviously, Jacob was wrestling with his brother, the whole concept of his brother. He's wrestling with others and this is what Dr. King was doing he was having to wrestle with the racists he was having to wrestle with people in the black community who wanted to create war and he had to wrestle with people in his ranks and outside of his ranks he had to wrestle with others and we have to do the same thing because aren't others often what's ultimately getting us to the wall We, we wrestle with our circumstances and we wrestle with God like Jacob did here, because he's not living up to our expectations. I wrestle with God a lot at the wall because it's at the wall I realize you're all powerful. You could have, in your power, stopped this. You're in control of the flow of history and the flow of choices, and you could have prevented this from happening. And so it's at the wall where I start wrestling with God, I'm wrestling with myself and others and the circumstances in God and I mean it's messing me up and it's causing me to live and see through a distorted lens but ultimately what I have to realize is that when I'm wrestling with myself and I'm wrestling with others and circumstances in God it's because I'm really wrestling with my own demon I'm, I'm wrestling with the evil one look what Ephesians 6, verse 12 says, "For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, it's not who our struggles with, but it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against all those spiritual forces of evil that are playing out their conflict in the heavenly realms." What I've learned to realize, it's at the wall that Satan loves to show up in his deceptive power. Because at the wall, all of a sudden, I become susceptible to all the lies and the deceptions. And the reason I wrestle with myself is because I'm not accepting what God said about me. You're fearfully and wonderfully made, Brad. Just like everyone else is. I have a plan not to harm you, but to give you a future and a hope and All the other things he promises me that he can take all the things that happen and he can turn them into good if I'm living according to his purpose. That that he can take the trials as he says in James and and help them to mature me and grow me. And, And instead of seeing it through the lens of what God said I'm seeing it through the lens of Satan's deceptions and so I start going to war with myself. I'm not up to this. No wonder I have fear. I, I go to war with others because I'm no longer seeing what God says. Those people matter. Instead I'm seeing them as the problem. Where does that come from? From the wrestling I'm doing with the evil one. And when I wrestle against my circumstances it's because I no longer believe that God's in control of my circumstances and cares about them. I'm believing the lie that God's deserted me and this is the wrong path. And when I wrestle with God it's because I'm no longer viewing God through the lens of who he really is. I'm viewing him through the lens of the evil one when I hit the the wall i wrestle and i usually wrestle in the wrong way because i'm listening to the wrong voice and when i listen to the wrong voice i make the wrong choice and you know you're just like me no wonder we mess up at the wall and this is where i have to share two very important truths that if we will keep in mind and embrace when we hit the wall They will help us make the right response instead of the wrong one. They will help us have defining moments that are positive instead of negative. And here's the first truth. God uses the wall to get us where he wants us. God uses the wall to get us where he wants us. And according to his truth, where he wants us is where we'll find joy and contentment and peace and meaning and significance. Where we'll live up. To what he created us to be. God uses the wall. To get us where he wants us. He doesn't use it to harm us. But the second truth. Satan uses the wall. To keep us from where God wants us. At the wall. The only goal Satan has. Is to keep us. From getting where God is leading us. Because he knows that's the place. He loses and God wins. And that's the place we win. Instead of losing. And he's bent on our destruction. Look at what Jesus said in John 10.10. The thief, the evil one, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus uses the wall to get us where he wants us. Satan uses the wall to keep us from where God wants us. The question at the wall is who's going to win? Whose voice are we going to listen to? How are we going to wrestle? And I think we just have to be honest. The vast majority of people, me included, let Satan win at the wall. I mean, if I'm totally honest, I have failed at the wall more often than I've succeeded at the wall because I've wrestled with myself, not based upon God's truth, but based upon Satan's deception. And I've wrestled with you and circumstances and even God in all the wrong ways because I'm listening to the wrong voice. I mean, how about you? I mean, it's just true that the majority of people make the wrong choices at the wall. They, they give up. They start living contrary to God's truth. This is what Martin Luther King faced in his day. The majority of people that should have been fighting with him had given up. Those who decided to fight, decided to fight not according to God's truths and principles, but according to man's revenge principle. And it just created more conflict. Darkness fighting darkness equals greater darkness. And so he had to make a different choice. The people who lose at the wall never experience the life and fullness, the, the impact that God has planned for them. Jacob, once again, a great example. Though scared out of his mind, and though he had failed at Many a wall. In this moment, at this wall, he made the right choices. And as a result, he experienced God's promises. He got to go where God wanted him because he trusted God at the wall. He could have run, but he didn't. He held on to God. And in the end, though it was difficult and painful and he was scared to death, he didn't regret it. He rejoiced in it. In fact, he experienced everything he was genuinely longing for. Because he was finally able to come out of hiding. He was finally able to reunite with his brother. He was finally able to drop all the baggage and shame and guilt of his past. Most people go to the grave with the shame and the guilt and the baggage of their past. Because they never make the right choice at the wall. Look at Genesis chapter 33 verse 4. This is what happened because he made the right choices at the wall. Esau ran to meet Jacob and embraced him. Here Jacob was, knowing he was going to die, and Esau ran to meet Jacob and embraced him. He threw his arms around his neck and he kissed him, and they wept. Esau wept because he was finally with his brother. Jacob wept because he's going, Thank God I'm not dead. That's not totally true, but you get, I mean, this was like, Every bit of baggage he had in this moment disappeared. And all the fear and junk and darkness wiped away. Why? Because he finally stood at the wall and trusted God instead of running from him. Esau was coming not to kill Jacob. He was coming to kiss him. Because God had already done a work in Esau's heart. The only reason God said, Jacob, it's time to go home is because... God had done the work in Esau's heart. It was time for him to fulfill his promise. Jacob trusted God at the wall. And so his fear was replaced by freedom. The defining moment of our lives is going to happen at the wall. But it demands the right response if it's going to be a good one. The application I think is simple. In order to get where God wants us if we really want to be in that place where he wants us, where we'll experience everything we're longing for, we were created for, then, then we have to make the right choices at the wall. And, and I, I really labored over what that looks like. I mean, the life of Jacob's pretty clear to me, and the life of Joshua and Joseph and Paul, but, but what does it really look like in a, in a devotional sense to make the right choices at the wall? And God helped me to stumble over Psalm 13. Psalm 13 paints the picture of what Jacob was going through and what we go through at the wall and and what we should do if we're going to make the right choices. Look at Psalm 13. It says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, O Lord my God. Give light back to my eyes or I'm going to sleep in death. My enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. What's the psalmist doing? He's going, man, I'm standing here. And I'll put it in Jacob terms. I'm standing here defenseless with Esau and the army coming. And God, you're doing nothing. You brought me here. You led me here. And you've done nothing to protect me. And now I'm going to be destroyed. How long will you forget me? How long will you hide your face from me? How long will you let your enemy triumph over me? This is where he felt. This is where he was. But this is interesting. But Jacob kept standing there. That's not what I do when I'm feeling like God's forsaken me. When I feel like God's forsaken me, what do I do? I run, I complain, I take things into my own hands. But he didn't. He stood there. Why? Because this is how he felt, but he made a very different choice, just like Psalm 13. The psalmist felt like he had been betrayed, the enemies were winning, his wall was bigger than he'd ever faced, and God didn't care. But look at how the psalmist ends Psalm 13. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord for he has been good to me. So so the psalmist like Jacob was standing susceptible in front of the enemy. Feeling like he was going to be plowed under. But he was going to sing and worship and trust God anyway. That's the right choice at the wall. At the wall in the midst of wrestling we must make the choice to trust God. Not because we feel like it. Not because we understand it. Not because it makes sense. But because God is the only one who has always told the truth. God is the only one who can take down these walls. And because it's God and God only who wants to lead us to the right places. And he does it at the wall. We need to trust God. And this is true for every single one of us. But but the truth is, before we can start learning to trust God as we have a relationship with him, we have to trust God in order to get a relationship with him. And it's true here that many have already wrestled through their cynicism and their skepticism and their doubts and their their problems with the concepts of God and truth. And we've gotten to the place where we've acknowledged our guilt and our brokenness and our shame and and that when it comes to our sin and our guilt, it's a wall that we can't get over and we've, We finally put our trust in Jesus because Jesus died to forgive our sin, the only way it can be forgiven, and rose to give us new life. And so many of us have trusted God so that we could know God, trusted Jesus. In order to experience trust as you face all the walls, you have to first of all experience God through trust. And I just want to encourage those of you who are here and haven't taken this step yet to take it this weekend to take it now in fact before we go forward and apply more about trust I think you need the opportunity and so right here in the middle of the talk I'm going to ask if you just bow with me in a word of prayer just for a moment just bow in reflective prayer and if you're here and you've already put your faith in God I'm asking you to pray for those who haven't and if you're here and you said I've never taken that step why not pray with me Take my words in this prayer and make them yours. Just say, God, I need you. I'm defined by my my failures, my guilt, my emptiness, and my need. And there's nothing I can do about it. But I believe, Jesus, you died on the cross so that through your death my sin could be forgiven. And so I'm giving my sin to you and asking you to forgive me. And I believe you rose again so I could have new life. And so I'm trusting you for the new life I so desperately need. Help me to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, before I go to the full application of this talk, if you just prayed with me, we're never wanting to embarrass you. We're never wanting to uh, make a scene with you, but we're always wanting to help you go forward. And so we make it really easy to get information about going forward. It's in your program if you're in our services. All you have to do is take out the connection card on the inside, fill it out so we can get the information to you. Check the bottom boxes as you prayed with me. And then there are, there are box, boxes outside every exit. Just throw it in there. And we'll send you information about next steps you can take. And if you're watching online, just hit the what next button. We'll do the same for you. But the truth is, it's not just people who don't know God that hit walls. It's people who do know God that hit walls. And it's not just people who don't know God that don't trust him. It's those of us who do know God that don't trust him, right? And so what do we do? We have to make the choice to trust God. We have to make the choice to hang on to God and to hang on to his promises no matter how difficult or deep the struggle. We can't give in to the temptation of the evil one at the wall. We can't ever let go. I look at Jacob, one of the great prayers coming from this guy in the Old Testament Bible. Look at Genesis 32, 26. Then he's in the middle of this wrestling match with God, which is such an interesting thing to think about. And the man, God, said, let me go for its daybreak. Let me go for its daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What's he doing? He's wrestling with God and he's saying, I'm not going to let you go. It's like you've betrayed me, it's like you don't care about me, it's like you're trying to hurt me, but, but I am not going to let you go because you're the only one that can bless me, you're the only one that can help me, you're the only one that can get me through this wall. I will not let you go unless you bless me. I mean, he kept trusting God. That's a big deal. We need to, like Jacob, continue trusting that God is seeking to advance us, not to hold us back. That he's... That he's not against us but for us. We need to keep trusting that God is there at the wall. Even when it feels like he's disappeared. That he's there in the midst of the struggle. Not watching us but working. If we don't keep trusting then we'll never get to where he's leading. We need to trust God. I will not let you go God. I will not let you go until you bless me. And if we're really trusting God at the wall, then there are other choices that are going to be a part of our response. When we're trusting God, we then need to make sure that we make an an intentional choice. And that intentional choice is to never surrender to defeat. Jacob was standing there feeling like defeat was certain, but he wasn't surrendering to defeat. And what you need to realize is every single one of us, just like Jacob time and time again, will still experience defeat. But Jacob did not surrender to his defeats. He did not let his failure be final. Instead, he kept trusting that God could even take his failures and make something out of his life. We must stay active. We must keep going We must keep getting up after we fall, after we fail. We have to continue to look for ways over the wall and through the wall. We need to keep believing that it's worth it. We can't give up because it's at the wall our defining moments happen. If we're going to make the right response at the wall, we'll be trusting God and never surrendering to defeat, but we'll also make the choice to do everything we can in that moment. I mean, Jacob did everything he could. I mean, everything. He prayed. It's big time in the text. God, you're going to have to save me. God, you're going to have to save me. He obeyed. He went home, even though he thought it was certain death. He worshipped. He, if you look at the story, he worshipped God, and he honored God, and he worked. He did everything he could to assuage his brother, to, to get through this thing, to, to make it work. But ultimately, he just kept holding on to God. This is how he wrestled. He wrestled. As we need to wrestle. He wrestled in prayer. Most people allow the deceiver to keep them from talking to God at the wall. Because they're upset and bitter and disappointed. But what Jacob did here was he kept doing the work of praying. And that's what we need to do. He kept doing the work of worshiping and obeying. And and all the things that he could do he kept trusting. And that's what we need to do. At the wall, if we're going to get to where God really wants us, then we have to realize when he takes us through the wall, everything changes. And what we have to do at the wall is make the choice to embrace our new reality. I just need you to understand something that I have come to learn in my journey, and Scripture is full of this. We never come away from the wall the same as we were before it. Life's different it changes the wall makes us never the same again look at Genesis 32 what happened in Jacob's life 25 and 31 when the man saw that he could not overpower him he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man the sun rose above him as he passed Peniel and he was limping because of his hip Jacob for the rest of his life had a limp When you go through the wall, you're going to come out different on the other side. And you have to embrace your new reality. This did not anger Jacob. Jacob used the changes and embraced them in a way that made him a profound hero of the faith. Though he had been such a miserable failure so much of his life. Embrace the new reality. And then one last thing you have to understand. Once you hit the wall once you go through the season of wrestling, once you make the right choices and get to where God has been leading, you know, you do everything right at the wall. Once you do that, do you know what it's time to do? It's time to get ready for the repeat. Because it's going to happen again and again and again. You're going to hit wall after wall after wall. And here's what I have found. I have found that it's not the first wall or the fifth wall or the tenth wall that usually gets me going in the wrong direction and listening to the wrong voices. It's usually the thirtieth wall or the fiftieth wall because I'm just not ready for another repeat. But you need to know as long as you're alive you're going to be hitting walls and as long as you're alive you have to keep trusting God when it feels like he's left you alone and you have to never surrender to defeat and do everything you can to win and embrace the new realities that come with it. Make, making the choice to trust God with yesterday's wall isn't enough. If you want to get where God wants you you have to make the choice to trust him today. Every day. Look at Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. He'll get you where he's leading you, but you have to trust him no matter what. I know that some of you, like me, are right now hitting the wall. And you're, you're wrestling, you're struggling with yourself, with others, with circumstances, and even with God. And what you really need to remember is that that what you're really struggling with is whether or not you're going to trust God or not. That's the struggle. The choice is to trust God no matter what. In, in a moment, we're going to end our service with a song. And and we want to give you the opportunity to make a choice to To trust God. And so we're going to do something unique. We're going to turn every wall in our building here. Every wall in our church. Into its own western wall. Uh, I've had the privilege of going to Israel. Some of you have as well. But most of you have not. But you've probably seen images of the western wall. Where the Jews in Jerusalem go and pray. The western walls. The one of the most holy sites for the jews in jerusalem because it's and you might not know this it's the closest place to where the old holy of holies was in the in the temple of god it's it's the place where god's presence dwelt for them and it's as close as they can get it to it today and so when they long for his presence when they long to be with him they go to the western wall and it's there that they pray And what they do is they often take their burdens and write them on pieces of paper and the wall is old and filled with cracks. And it's interesting when you stand there, you see paper filling all of these cracks and people take their burdens and the walls they're facing and and their prayers and stick them in the wall. And then you know what they do? They turn around and walk away trusting God with their burden. I want to encourage you to make the choice to trust God this morning. And here's how we're going to do it. We've given you each a post-it note. And it's in your program. I hope you have it. And in in your program, it's in a place where you can write on it. And we're going to encourage you, while we sing this song, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus, we're going to encourage you to write your own version of Psalm 13. You're going to become psalmists. For your own life this morning. What we want you to do is we want you to name your lament. You know in Psalm 13 he says God you've disappeared. You're you're not showing up. And he's he's expressing his lament and how he feels. But then he names his wall. My enemies are triumphing over me. And so I'm wanting you to name your lament. But we're also wanting you then to name your wall. What's your wall? What is it that, that you're hitting that's just really messing you up and then we're wanting you to do what the psalmist did I trust in your unfailing love I trust in your unfailing love and as you're doing this as the song's being sung I hope that you'll just be really doing it in a way that you're drawing closer to God and when you're done and when you're ready you can stand and join us in worship and then when the song is done what we're going to do is we're going to allow you to go anywhere in the auditorium, the side walls, not the stage, but the side walls or the back walls and same in the balcony or the walls in the hallway or even the pillars and, and to put your Psalm 13 lament on that piece of the western wall and then say, God, I'm giving you my wall. I'm trusting you with this wall. And then when you walk away, you're walking away from the burden and you're taking his peace. And then after it's all over and the song's done and people are posting their Psalm 13s, if you are at a place where you still just really need to pray with someone or talk to someone about what's going on in your life from a spiritual perspective, we have a ministry team that would love to do that. All you'd have to do is everybody's leaving and you just come into the front parts of the seats here and you just sit down and our ministry team will come to you and spend time with you if that's what you'd like to do. And for the rest, the service is over. But before we sing, let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you so much that you are God. And I pray that when we hit the wall, we will not respond by nature. Because when we respond by our nature, we respond in anger or bitterness. Or we give up and quit. We make the wrong choices. And that defining moment becomes one that defines us in the wrong way. I pray, God, that at the wall, we will remember that you are leading us to where you want us to be, that you are using it, though it may be a very bad thing to bring about good into our lives. And I pray that you would give us the capacity, the power, the, the anointing, the presence of your spirit to trust you, to stand there and trust you, to never surrender to defeat to do everything we can to win, and to embrace the reality that you're leading us to. Give your grace and your strength. Remove the burdens and replace it with yourself. And we'll thank you that it comes when we decide to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.